Hi team, it's that time again where I have a conversation with another kick-ass person in business. Now full disclaimer, this is not an inspirational business podcast, but you might be inspired. These aren't all going to be success stories, but they are all going to be real stories because I'm not here for the enlightened, fluffy, feel-good version of people's journeys. I want the nitty gritty raw versions. If you're a business owner, freelancer, entrepreneur, creator, or someone with a side hustle, I can guarantee you'll be able to relate to something in this episode because this is what it's really like to take a chance and chase a dream. Don't forget to hit subscribe and slide into my DMs on Instagram if you want to chat. I'm Sean, and this is not an inspirational business podcast. This week, I spoke to the co-founder of an award-winning multimedia and marketing agency called Blio. Luke and I spoke about the craziness that is online marketing nowadays, how him and his co-founder Blake balance each other out, and the sacrifices and struggles that it's taken to build Blio into what it is today. This is a small but mighty story of two guys who started an agency together and have been and pushed the limits of what they could do in the marketing and media space. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I really appreciate you jumping in. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Now, do you want to start off by just introducing yourself, telling us what you do, who you are, how you do it? Sure, sure. My name is Luke Oulihan. I own a company here on the Gold Coast, uh, along with Blake Martin, who's my co-director. And uh, we're a multimedia company. So we specialize in digital marketing and also production of videography and video production. We created the video production company out of necessity because of how we were running our marketing, where people were needing content. And it's just taken on a, a whole another sort of life of its own in the production side of things and long side by side running the uh, two divisions essentially digital marketing and your video production and photography and it's just um yeah it's taken you know some leaps and bounds in the past few years we've been times as well uh so yeah that's basically what we've been doing or what i do and been doing that for better part of as blio for about six years now that as blio prior to that you know both Blake and I collectively have near 30 years in marketing and you know, production experience. So collectively, we've grown from a team of literally two of us to a team now of just shy of about 20. Ever expanding. I mean, and you remember our old office, which actually was, you know, we grew out of that relatively fast during COVID. Actually, again, very fortunate we've been able to do that. So, um, but now we're actually looking to expand again. Full disclosure, I met the Blio team, so yourself and Blake, what, five years ago, maybe, when you were like oh. a four-person team, I think. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was probably that long ago, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm so excited to hear about this journey because from then to now, you guys have seriously just exploded. But I want to talk about sort of the beginning of the journey, first of all. What was the catalyst for you guys to decide to take the step and start your own agency? Blake and I both have always been, you know, we really just wanted to be business owners. We love the business acumen side of owning a business. It's not so much being an entrepreneur. I mean, we do love looking for, you know, holes in the market to fulfill and, and fill that gap. You know, it's always, always problem solution. We're always looking for what problem can we solve. And Blake, around six, seven years ago, was working in the Facebook ad space when it first you know, came out. I was too, but in a different angle and from a different company too. And what was going on was Blake was lead generating for a big financial company here on the Gold Coast and basically just needed help. I came in alongside of him running my own digital agency or my own one-man show. 
where I was just taking on clients with Google Ads and touching on Facebook. And we sort of merged together and we were running down the same path, but in different cars, if that's a good analogy. So we decided one day, you know, about four years ago or five, five years ago, we decided to jump in the same car and create Blio together. Yeah, so the catalyst of becoming a our own agencies was really just we've always been business like-minded individuals and we just wanted to see what vehicle was going to take us our problem to solution was digital marketing and helping others and I've always been big on you know teachings I think I'm a teacher at heart so I love the consulting side of our marketing agency and what we find with all of our clients and you would have experienced is we don't just go oh yeah we advertise your stuff you know it's always you know, in order for us to advertise your stuff, we need to fill these holes and these gaps that you're doing inside of your business. And that might be pricing, that might be um, staff resources you have. So we have to almost tell you, okay, your actual problem isn't the product that we're trying to get to market, more or less, it's the actual ability to do that within your own business, your pricing could be off. And we work numbers like you wouldn't believe like that's the best thing about digital marketing too. And uh, what we do is we actually rely on the numbers that the market give us to be able to dictate our movement. And it's not pie in the sky. It's what the market's actually telling us and how quickly we can change uh, any, any method that we're actually coming up with. So if we know something's not working versus conventional marketing methods, where that would be, you know, you chuck out a magazine, you're stuck. The magazine's there, it's going to do what it's going to do. And it might cost you anywhere from three to $5,000 for a single page spread. And if there's a spelling mistake in that, you can't change it. You know, if, if, if it goes to the wrong audience, you can't change it, it's done. Whereas digital marketing, it changes that quickly that we can go, oh, there's a mistake or, oh, no, that's not the right market or that's not the right audience. And we can shift so quickly that it's so, you know, it allows you that freedom to invest, being able to really tap into your market. You might think you know what the market is or your market is, but it's only because you've played around in that market. You've never had the ability to spread out. As an example, if you used beauty products as an example, they've always only gone into, say, Marie Claire magazines or, you know, certain magazines. So their demographic was always the same. They were never able to push out into what might have been a hole in their market. So that's the beauty about digital marketing is you can really test the waters. Right, yeah, yeah. So it was just really helping out businesses at the end of the day and being a business owner ourselves. And this was our vehicle, finding the right vehicle to get to the to the solution. And digital marketing for us was that vehicle on that you know, that was a solution to our problem. I think that's a really good sort of example of the space that you guys are in is something that is constantly changing. It's constantly moving and you've got to be able to adapt and flow and fit into the into the missing pieces. I'd love to know, I mean, you guys have been playing in like the Facebook ad space and SEO and that whole marketing space for such a long time. And I mean, no doubt it's changed so much in that space. How have you guys managed that ever-changing space? Like as right. a team and business owner? Yeah, great question. And the best way I can answer it is the same way that, as an example, perfect example is, say, Facebook. Their algorithms are constantly changing. And due to everyone's digital footprint and all this information that gets fed, you can imagine that this one little, you know, it started off this big where, you know, only a few thousand were inputting their data into this and their digital footprint for it. And now it's just grown to this exponential beast. And what happens with all those digital points that have, you know, come into this little thing that's turned into something that's 
Facebook has to evolve themselves through what we'd probably almost rely uh, call AI, right? So artificial intelligence. Facebook opens up as just a digital beast, these opportunities for Facebook to grow and Facebook. And when I talk about that, I mean like the people who are, you know, the Mark Zuckerbergs, they're looking at what their beast has grown into. It's almost creating the business for them. So they can't even keep up with their own AI growth. So they have to create new products around what this data is feeding into this beast to be able to do. And we've had to do something very similar where we've always tried to be proactive to the market. A lot of people are reactive to the market, but we always try to get ahead of it. And we're constantly on pushing the boundaries, whether that's in our production. So if you look at our videos, they're, they're not normal videos. And our marketing is not normal marketing either. And the way that we do ad management, audience creations, all these things that actually is strategically based to push your product into the market. It's not normal. It's always proactive. It's always trying to catch the trend before it becomes a trend. And I'm always someone who's not about trend either because trend means that it comes and goes. We're very classical and traditional in the way that we do things, but you've also got to catch fire with what is relevant. And relevancy is only subjective to trend. For us, being constantly educated, we all, we're always constantly pushing our own boundaries. So we have to find new ways to be creative or we have to find new ways to do new marketing strategy. And for those of you out there who are studying marketing at university, I mean, we get, I don't know, at least 100 interns want to come through our business every year. And we have to interview, obviously, ourselves. The curriculum inside of a higher learning educational institution like TAFE or university or whatnot, you know, the likes of those, their curriculum has to be passed and has to go through this, you know, democracy or this, you know, this political approval rate. They're not going to have new ways, like Facebook just brought out a new way to market on Marketplace that they're not going to be able to teach inside of these institutions, you know. So for when these students come to us, I'm like, oh, you know, what are you learning at university? What are you learning at TAFE? And they're like, oh, well, I've got a case study from 2014. And I'm like, okay, all right. And, I went out and the window. <laughs> yeah. So I really implore people to do their own independent research into marketing because everyone's like, oh, I want to be a digital marketer. Okay, well, that's cool. What do you think it is? And I'm like, oh, you know, da-da-da. But like I said, the curriculum of these institutions changes so much and for us to be able to stay on the cusp of that, coming back to your question, it's always constantly seeing what's working. And fortunately, because we have so many clients with, you know, spending millions of dollars in the market with so many different industries, we get to see firsthand how the market's moving. And we have no choice but to move with it. That keeps us on our toes. So our tech guys, who are the ones that are in the trenches of, oh, Facebook's just done this or Google's just brought out this. They're constantly having to learn that. You don't get taught this. And Google or Facebook won't come out with a course saying this is new best practice. And the reason being is because these beasts, like I said before, they grow outside of their own abilities or they think their capabilities are. So they even themselves have to grow with their own AI, their artificial intelligence. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so then they have to create these products. So we just try to get ahead of that and it's almost impossible. So every day we're learning, but we're also have the ability to have Blio as a marketing agency. We're, we've got so much data that we've been able to pull in. That's why, you know, we can go to any industry. You know, we can look after any industry or any business because we've been doing it for such a long time that we have a lot of data, not just tangible digital data, but a lot of mental bandwidth that we've worked with 
and I teach my tech team and Blake teaches the video production team or, you know, whatever that is because of our knowledge that we've had to absorb and pick up over the last, you know, seven to 10 years. So in answer to your question, it's just we try to stay relevant by being consistent. Things like TikTok that just crop up, you know, and it was Snapchat and then it was, okay, that's the new cool thing. Then it was Instagram stories and then it became, you know, now, which is TikTok rivaling Instagram reels and all these sort of new things that keeping people's attention super hard. It used to have, you know, we used to have an attention span. And I say that not as in we used to have an attention span of you know, 10 seconds. Now we just, we used to have an attention span at all. Now, if you haven't been grabbed in the first three seconds, it used to be eight seconds. There used to be a little bit of leniency in industry standards. If you haven't appealed to me or got my attention in three seconds, we have the ability to just go to the next thing straight away because we're just inundated with all this edutainment or entertainment, whatever you want to call it, depending where it's coming from. A lot of it's just BS, <laughs> if you ask me. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter because that's the market. Learn the market. It's like saying, oh, you know, records of... I'm flogging a you know, dead horse now when I say this because it's pretty standard. Oh, you know, records are going to be around forever. Oh, the CD is going to be around forever. Oh, MP3 players are going to be around forever. You can see what happens to anyone who holds on to that, you know, dawn. Wait 50 years till it comes retro and then it becomes cool again. Yes. Then you can make your money back. But until then, you're sitting on the demands of what the market is. And the market has a short attention span. So you've got to keep up with that. It's always looking for what's cool, what's trend, what's relevant at the moment. So, but there are core fundamentals that we always go back to. So we try to make sure that not only are you learning, but we're also staying true to our core. I love it. In terms of working together as a team and, you know, staying relevant, staying up to date, pushing the envelope of what you do as an agency, I mean, like I said, I met you guys when you were a four-person team. It was in the trenches at those early stages. And now you've grown into this full digital media agency. Can you talk a little bit about what it looked like when you decided to bring on new team members in those specific spaces? For one, three men, four men at the time, or two, and then expand to three, even hiring a third. So it doesn't even really matter. Any expansion means sacrifice. And by sacrifice, I mean... If you're making a certain dollar amount that's keeping you fed, your family fed, you know, roof over your head, that sort of stuff, because that's where it's not, you know, typical rags to riches story, but it's, you know, <laughs> we're not rich yet, but we're getting there. Every time someone new comes on board, if you don't have the right processes in place, you're just going at, you know, the sake of where the wind takes you. So what we have learned as we hire new staff, it's scary because it's, you're having to sacrifice your salary or your pay that you could have been getting and when you have to pay someone else. But what that's a very limited way of thinking. So over the years, I've realized that that was a limited way of thinking that even because one of my biggest fears and Sean, you know how pedantic I was about certain things. My biggest thing was relinquishing control. So for me to say, okay, now do the job that I was doing and then watching someone do it, it's painstaking at times because you're like, oh, just give it to me, I'll do it. And as a business owner, you learn pretty quickly that that's a terrible way of management and a terrible way of being a business owner. So it's, it's scary expansion, expanding because you have to give up that pay. But if you can start to put processes in place, then the forecasting of when you can hire, when you can afford to expand 
becomes um, exciting because you've got then KPIs to hit and you know, okay, well, this month we've got to hit here, which means we can afford this staff member. And you don't learn that right away, right? Like you might earn, you're trading time for money at the start of any business and you're always wearing you know, all the different hats as you would understand, you know, you're the accounts manager, you're the project manager, you're the bloody design team, you're the janitor, you're everything, right? Now, that's just the entrepreneurial life. We all know that. But when you start to realize that growth only comes from scaling and sacrifice and allowing yourself to go, look, I might give 100%, but just imagine if I hired two people that only gave 60%, that's 120% of, and you're still doing 20% better than what you did. And you freed up yourself to be able to focus on other things. And most people get in the trap of working in the business, not on the business. And it's a hard trap to get out of. And it's scary because you do have to go, all right, well, let's just make the move. I promise you, as soon as you get out of your own way and you do that and you go, look, I'm going to delegate these tasks to someone else and pay them accordingly, you watch what happens to your business. It does catch fire and it becomes a domino effect. And to be honest, out of the last six years that we have been Leo or sort of going down this business in a proper way, and I say that like we're no longer a garage band, you know, we're performing at stadiums. That's how I feel, you know, I liken it to sort of that. And now that we're doing that, the growth is just happening exponentially. And we have been fortunate enough, but, you know, they always say fortune favours the brave, you know, and it's pretty scary. So again, come back to your, your question. It's pretty scary to expand your business. It's, it's super scary, actually, because I mean, there were times when I, I can remember only maybe 2018, it was curling up. You're thinking, holy shit, you know, we've got, everything's about to fall apart. And this is right before, you know, COVID. And you're just thinking, shit, we're done. You know, we money in the bank was dismal. It was very minimal. And I just couldn't believe that everything could fall apart. But you read these stories from all of these, uh, you know, great entrepreneurs, you know, the rags, the rich stories and all that. They've all got the same sort of story, you know. And that's what I mean about don't be, it's, it's, it's hard to have faith, but at the same time, it's almost, that's all you can rely on. And just know that if you've done your due diligence, it will be there to elevate you. You take that leap of faith, you will be caught, but you know in yourself, and most people have this fear of imposter syndrome and they just think, oh, you know, I don't deserve this or whatever. So that's something that both Blake and I have had to get over because once things start happening for you, they start happening to you you know and you're just like wow this is and you catch breaks that you never thought you could the expansion of a business and going to that next level scariest thing we've ever done and it doesn't actually change yeah it's that whole mo money mo problems it's real it's real and the bigger the business then it's just new problems it's just that you've leveled up though you these problems you've got here you wouldn't have had down here you know you almost wish like i think about you know 10 years ago the problems I have today are the problems I wish for, unbeknownst. You know what I mean? I just didn't know that I was wishing for them. Or I was like, oh, I want to be that guy who does this and that and he talks to people and he goes on podcasts and all that. So now I'm here. It's like there's a new problem. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's such that whole sort of piece I'm going to pull out and use because it's such a big lesson that so many people like have to learn at the start of their business is that you have to take those risks. You've got to back yourself and it's freaking scary. Like every level of business, whether you make your first thousand dollars, your first, you know, 10 K hundred K mil at every stage of business, there's new challenges, there's new risks, there's new struggles. And it's just, yeah, 
you know, taking that leap, backing yourself, having a support system around you that can pick you up when you fall flat on your face and tell you that it's going to be okay. Credit uh, both to Blake and my credit. And I do think we've been fortunate enough. Again, no, we created our own luck and our own fortune. Prior to us coming together, we were hustlers. You know, we were, whether it was in the fitness industry or it didn't matter what we were doing, we were always hustling. We were looking for that vehicle to take us to our solution. And prior, if it wasn't for, you know, Blake being there and me being there for Blake, but if we didn't have that, you know, symbiotic relationship, because we're very chalk and cheese, as much as we are alike, and I would have loved him on this, is just we're just cramming because we're coming to the next level of it. Anyway, as much as like we are, and we are so different in the way that we look at things, we've been very fortunate to be able to, his strengths, my weaknesses, my weaknesses, his strengths. So we're very play to that. That's put us both through these last four or five years. So you talk about a support network and to have Blake be mine and me be his, It's we were very fortunate in that manner, but we've also been burnt by partners in the in the past so neither of us wanted to it took us so long like i said we were going down the same road in different cars it took us so long to jump in the same cars because of our past experiences with partnerships and we didn't want to get into one but we did obviously and we got to know each other and we kept it business you know we kept it 100 i mean don't get me wrong he's one of my closest friends but it's always been it nothing's personal it's business and if you can keep that relationship, even with your staff, and it's never personal, it's always performance. And if you've got processes in place and the communication's open, you'll be very rare that you'll, um, and there's no ego. The biggest thing is removing ego out of business and just understanding who you are as a person. Because I know that I'm very sensitive and emotional to certain things where Blake's not. And that works very well. But sometimes you have to be, and sometimes you shouldn't be, you know? So that's why we work so well. And having that support network, and again, I was his and he was mine, and being able to capitalise on that, very fortunate to be able to have, you know, each other there. But again, we've both come through to get to know what good was. We probably wouldn't have been, you know, we're now coming up to our 40s, both of us, and we've paid our dues, you know. That's what I feel like. We've gone through shitty businesses, we've experienced bad partnerships, relationships, all of that, you know, and now we're pretty solid in who we are. So we're coming together as full circles. If you can imagine that people in relationships, they come together looking to complete themselves with somebody else, that's the worst thing you can do. Whereas we've came together as two full circles together, create that infinity symbol. That's how I sort of look at it. So it's constant movement, not just fighting for, you know, again, it's ego. Support network, huge, huge. Yeah. So we're very the, fortunate. The ego piece is really interesting and it's actually coming up a lot since I've been doing this podcast with people who are in business with somebody else. And everybody says the one thing they've had to learn about working in a partnership in business is drop the ego. You're yeah. never going to be great at everything. You know, you're going to butt heads. You're going to come up against challenges with each other. But yeah. if you can, like you said, come at it as two full circles, know your strengths and weaknesses, drop the ego, keep it business, then you're on to sort of a winning formula in the partnership department. Yeah, like I said, we we're very blessed to, I mean, don't get me wrong, at the start, and we still do, we still bump heads. But we also, again, know that like, okay, well, well, you know, and I don't think that'll change, but it's never a competition, you know. So mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. It's never a competition. I love the driving on the same road 
two separate car analogy and then getting in the same car because it's like you were working towards the same things anyway. Two heads is better than one. Let's jump in and and do this together. Burn too much fuel, you know, like we just let's carpool because we just, you know, especially gas so prices. So fast lane if you're carpooling as well. That's right. Absolutely. There you go. Let's play on that analogy. I'm going to jump into the rapid fire questions. What is a fundamental value that you've woven throughout everything you do in your business? And why is it important to you? How you do one thing is how you do everything. And I learned that actually because I used to work at a a sporting store and I learned a lot from the management of this particular sporting store. And it was all about their employees and they made sure that their employees were happy. They were incentivized. They had, you know, the right support network behind them because a happy employee creates you know a happy environment happy staff happy customer as you would walk out from you know the lunch break it it was the same it said how you do one thing is how you do everything earlier on prior i was doing um, i actually got the job because of this what i'm about to talk about i was a bodybuilder and if anyone's ever done that will understand what self-discipline is Mm -hmm. and it was you've got to do certain things tick 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 because if you don't someone else is and they're going to beat you if you're doing this to just get a good body i was there to win and my attitude was i want to win so i wanted to stand on stage tangent but i'll come back i wanted to stand on stage knowing that i had done everything 100 i didn't want any room for error that if someone beat me they beat me because they were just the better on the day they were just better I did not want to look in the mirror and say, well, you did have that cheap meal or you didn't do that workout session because in the back of my mind, every time I wanted to quit or and because anyone who's done this can relate, you just want to go, you just want to throw it all in, especially in the last few weeks where it's really hammer time, you know? And what I found was in the back of my mind, if I if I get was ready to give up, it was like, no, because my competition's not giving up. And to pull in that value when I was working at this sporting store, I saw, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. It really resonated with me that as simple as walking over a piece of paper on the ground, if I noticed that that was rubbish and didn't pick it up, I would feel bad because that's nothing, right? But it's everything. And how you do one thing is how you do everything. So for me, setting those disciplinary rules has only allowed me to go, Oh, I've got a phone call. I've got to do this up. Oh, I'll leave it till tomorrow. No, it just, you know, you've got to give that 100% because knowing, and that goes across relationships, friendships, everything that I do, it's like I can't go half ass because I know when I stood on stage and I won, fast forward, I won, I kept winning because I kept that same attitude. And I ended up becoming, you know, one of Australia's first bodybuilding uh, men's physique champions in a better rate, blah, blah, blah. But it, it made me realize that because I did everything with such discipline and 100%, how I did one thing is how I did it. Years later, when I saw that sign, I was like, that's it. That's that's the discipline that everyone should have. Because if you just go, oh, I'll sleep in this morning, you know, and the only person you're cheating is yourself. And it's just, uh, it sounds so cliche, giving 100%. But I think how you do one thing is how you do everything. Picking up that piece of paper on the ground, if you look, if you step over it, what's to say you're not going to just step over something else in life just because it's easy, right? Was there ever a time that you were ready to throw in the towel and how did you pull yourself back from there? So there was a saying that said, make your rock bottom someone else's inspiration. 
And I read that long before I had these moments and I've had them. I've done many businesses in the past, teaching, nightclubs, Japan, a whole gang of stuff that is so separate to digital marketing, but always tried what I thought was 100% until I started this and realized that I didn't give 100% at all in those particular, and that's why they failed, right? But I just remember in during this time of the doing digital marketing and multimedia with Blake, there's been a few times where it's just, bugger this, I'm done, you know? And I just remember that this is my rock bottom. And I just remember maybe one day this will be someone else's inspiration. And it was just always on me to not give up. You have your down moments and what, I can't remember where I got this saying, it was called a funny five. You're allowed and you should allow yourself to have these moments of don't call them failure, but an emotional response to the current situation, I guess you could call it. And that does feel like failure. And you should allow yourself to take stock of those emotions that you feel. And I call them a funny five. Have your funny five and allow yourself to do it. Wallow as much as you can in five minutes and then just pick up your boots, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, whatever that is, and get on with it. And that's sort of how I felt in these moments. And actually, I remember one moment from that because I actually referred to it one of the questions before I was I was curled up on my bed and my wife uh, fiance at the time was just you okay like I'm a grown man curled up in my bed and I just felt like I felt like such a failure because I felt like we're at the end of our trial of our business I'd just gotten off the phone with Blake we just sort of talked about a few financial things and it was like this is it we're done and it was in that moment that I was like I had this spark of inspiration to do something else I ended up creating a, a, a course that ended up getting us quite financially out of a hole. And it was just like a spur of inspiration because I was like, okay, look, you've had your funny five, move the fuck on, leave the pieces there and fucking move on. And you know, that that's going to happen to so many people in their business. And it, again, it sounds like such a cliche, but if you give up, you know, what's even harder is fucking starting again. Yes. Oh my gosh. Fuck, yes. Fuck me. You know, cause if you think if you hadn't have given up and I, or I come back to fitness a lot, cause it's taught me a lot. Had I given up where I wanted to, and most people are like, oh, I'm going to start again. I guess, fuck, starting again is way harder than keeping going, you know, and you're always going to have that funny five as long as you allow yourself to have it and then move the fuck on. Yeah, which is perfect. My next question is what's your go-to remedy when you're having an off day? (laughs) I'll dive in. I'll go outside. I'll go for a walk. I've been very blessed. My wife is a super philanthropic marine. She's pretty much a a mermaid if you would or you know she's definitely a fish of sorts she lives underwater so she's very outdoorsy i'm not but i have noticed that since having uh, we just got a dog you know eight months ago or whatever i've realized how important it is to get outside so when i do have these moments and pre getting a dog and going outside i would remove myself from any current environment that i was in or am in change and anthony robbins talks about drastic change a lot Someone who's slumped over is very, you know, negative. And you've got to change your physical being to get chemicals in your body moving and moving again. So I change my environment. I'll go and then put on a motivational YouTube. And I'm, I'm big on that. A motivate It just sort of pulls you aside and you realize, you know what, fucking other people are doing it worse. This is just an opportunity. And that's what I found. I don't have down moments as much as I have epiphanies on, oh, shit, this is a shitty moment. What can I learn from this? So I've been able to train my brain over however many years to not see something as a um, a problem, rather an opportunity to fix to create that next level. Because I only believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm I believe in God, and I believe that I'm given this opportunity purely to grow. 
So I don't look at it from a point of, oh, shit, there's this financial problem. It's like, well, fuck, how can we get out of this? How, how can we resolve this so it doesn't happen again? It's just a learning opportunity. I don't have those down moments as much as I used to when I was first starting out. But when I do, it's always good to change my environment and I'll go and listen to these, you know, some motivational stuff. But I also know that it, if you can clear your mind and come back to it, it's like when you used to study or whatever and you cram for a test and your absorption rate of what you actually do in that cramming period is very minimal on, you know, so it's always everything looks brighter, you know, on the next day. So just know, again, cliche, there is a brighter day. So when you wake up the next day, it's like, ah, oh, shit, it wasn't that bad. And you're sort of over it. But it's always good to go, okay, this is a problem that I can create an opportunity to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Just allows you to level up. I love that. I think, yeah, if you can turn any situation around and getting out of the environment, I think is a massive one. We tend to wallow quite a lot. It's like, have your funny five, have your wallow, have your moment, eat your chocolate, and then do something about it. Move on. What's the big dream for Bleo? You know what? That's another thing that we've learned is people set their goals too low. There's goals and then there's just dreams. You know, uh, an unplanned goal is just a fucking dream, right? You've got to have a plan to get to that goal. And ours is not world domination, but it's to change the atmosphere of what people think multimedia is. And I love, again, I love the aspect of teaching and I want to be able to teach as many people as I can. But my goal is to have a business that allows both Blake and I and whoever wants to come on that journey because we have opportunities in Blio to get out of the janitorial role. Like we want everybody, six figures, Lambos, all that sort of fun shit. I'm not big on material stuff anymore, but you want that. We want Blio to help you to be able to achieve that. And we want to be that vehicle that gets you there, right? But for us, the big goal is to have you know a big warehouse that has a wicked photo and video stage a massive studio where we can haul trucks in and take cool shots and you know and we're getting there we're just having to hire these studios at the moment it's really having a business that i would consider a legacy and i know blake and i are huge on culture and family culture that comes within the business And we're very excited to forecast and we have now that we've got processes in place to get us there. And on that, we've actually just done our biggest month, March, we've ever done. Like both marketing and video, so we kind of have those two divisions, um, have just seen our biggest month. And trailing, we've just turned into a million plus business now. Yeah, so we've just seen that. So that's super exciting. That's amazing, Um, which also my next question is actually what's something that's happened in your business recently that you're proud of? I feel like that kind of ticks that box. (laughs) It does. It does. And But it's also getting out, for me personally, it's getting out of my own way. And that's been a long time coming and allowing others to take hold of the reins and not have so much control over the business, which the last two years has sort of taught me um, more so than ever, especially COVID, that support network and who you rely on all that is so important. That's why we have such a good culture here at Blio because everyone that we you know, have on board is bought into what Blio is trying to achieve. So you talk about big goals. Everyone knows our thesis here is around changing the world through our video and marketing means. You know, everyone knows that that is what we aspire to. And if it doesn't align with you, that's fine. You know, um, But maybe you know, Blio is not for you because we are looking to change the cultural dynamics of what multimedia is and that's why our videos are all a little bit different you know we like to shoot cool shit as blake would say all the time and you know we don't always shoot cool shit 
but you've also got to pay your dues and you've also got to put up with, you know, the, the lows to deal with the highs. And, um, yeah, so one of the most monumental things for me in the past of late is relinquishing control. Um, and to be fair, since I've done it, I've allowed to see the growth. And, um, yeah, so it's it's actually coincided with the, the tick that you just said we had, which is a million-dollar-plus business, yeah, which I've never on the way to multi which is the new goal right and yeah. again a lot of people's problems is setting the bar too low for themselves put that extra zero what you're worth and that's something that I, i've learned too is charge what you're worth like i don't care if the market dictates that you're on 20 dollars an hour do you think you're honestly worth 20 dollars an hour fuck no and you're going to get people who are going to pay it because they're going to realize shit that person who's giving me 20 dollars an hour only brings me in 100 bucks but that person who charges me 100 bucks an hour brings me in a thousand bucks. You're going to pay that every day of the week. And that's what we sort of exceed here at Blio. It's like, well, how much are you worth to Blio? And if you tell me you're worth $100 an hour, we'll pay you $100 an hour. Your expectation of revenue better be X, you know, but we also have ways to get there in our business, which is great. So again, process and performance and whatnot. Yeah. What is a resource tool or system that you use in your business that you couldn't live without? CRMs. Um, customer relation management programs. Without them, there's no, you can't look at numbers. You don't, because if you don't know where you are, you don't know how you're going to get to where you want to go, right? And if you can't see where you've been, it's just as bad because you're doomed to repeat it if you don't. And if you can't dictate, okay, at any one time, I can ask Blake his numbers on leads to sales, the conversion rates, the, the cost of sale, the longevity of client. He can rattle them off like that, as can I for marketing. He looks after a division that's the creative and the multimedia production side. I'm more marketing. That's why we work so well as well. I'm very analytical. He's very creative. I'm detail-orientated. He is not at all. But again, that's why we work so well, right? But the one system is those data management systems like a CRM to tell you those and be able to tell you where you are so you know, shit, okay, we need to tweak this, move this. Again, that's why I love digital marketing. I can see an ad that's performing versus an ad that's not. And would you believe that they're the same ad? You know, but ah, this one's not working because it's going to this audience versus this ad working going to this audience. Cool. Cull that, turn that one up. And that's why I love numbers and looking at the back end of, you know, these programs that allow us to do that. But for us, it's our CRMs that we run internally that have automation, workflows, diaries, all that sort of stuff that you feed. They become this, uh, you know, four-person admin for you so yeah definitely crm and if you don't have one which we find more often than not funnily enough and i'm talking businesses what we just sat with a company the other day it is growing exponentially and we're like oh great we can't wait to work with you let us look at your crm they're like what's that like they're like oh we know we should be using it i'm like how do you get to a certain point they're like oh we just been flying by the seam of our pants i'm like oh shit well Get to the next level, you need a CRM because you're gonna you're about to have all this marketing, you're gonna to have to have control of all this data, and the spreadsheet's not gonna do it, and you're not gonna be able to have post-it notes all around, you know. So yeah, CRM. I also feel like the next question, what is a hot tip about your industry that people might not know? Hot tip about the industry. Okay, it's not as easy as just pushing a, a boost button on Facebook. You yes. know, this everything about Digital marketing comes down to what's always been prevalent with marketing. It's the psychology of a buyer, a psychology of a consumer. And what you need to understand is that there is a formula to it. It's not as simple as just pushing a button and going, 
buy my stuff. It's not build it and they will come. This isn't Field of Dreams and I'm not Kevin Costner. So it's not something that's just that simple to turn on. What people don't understand is the complexity of the, the systems behind these platforms that push these ads out into the market. Also, people really don't understand how hyper-targeted a lot of these ads can be and people are like, oh, is my phone listening to me? Or yeah, it is, by the way. And oh, you know, everything you do say or you know interact with is leaving a digital footprint. That's why what I was talking about with Facebook starting here with only X amount of data points feeding into it. Now every, you know, pretty much 80% of the people are feeding into these beasts, Facebook, Google. So the data management or the data points that on you. There's probably a million data points on you that you, you know, you're creating this digital footprint that can be hyper-targeted. That's something people might not know. And but that's something marketers like us utilize to push a product uh, into the market. It's I hate the word, it's manipulation. I don't actually enjoy so much the abilities of what these conglomerates, Facebook and Google, can do, because I see the back end of it. It's it's incredible. Uh, it's scary. It's scary. But yeah. Our final question is what is one piece of advice you'd give to someone listening right now who's thinking about starting a business or at the very beginning of their journey? Go out to people who are doing it and offer up your time for free. Tell them you'll get coffee, tell them. And I love when I get kids in here that do want to do that. And unfortunately, we're just too, I couldn't even, you know, I can take on some and I have and we do. We're actually got a young fellow in here now who's, he's, he just really wants to, he's like, I will do anything. And now he's got a full-time position with us. It's been a year that he's been working with us. But I would say go out, find someone who's doing it and offer up your time because you sitting down and buying them lunch isn't going to be a benefit to them. But maybe getting their morning coffee or sitting and looking over their shoulder and just seeing what they do on a day-to-day, that is going to be more beneficial than looking and studying at an institution about any, and so this doesn't just say marketing, this is any business that you or any field you wish to push into and know that it's not easy, but at the same time, back yourself, like Charles said, and just believe in the ability that you're going to stumble as you, you know, everyone crawls. And one of the great analogies was actually my wife introduced me to this podcast where they talk about your business as like a human. At the start, it's a top, you know, it's a baby. It's pooing everywhere. It's fucking awful. It's, you know, it doesn't do anything. Like, oh. constantly. <laughs> you know, it's constantly needing attention. And then as it gets to the terrible twos, it's, you know, it's kicking along. It's getting a bit of progress. And then it gets into its teenage stage. So there's adolescence that goes with it. And that's, you've got to think of your business like that child and you're growing it as you would a child. And it takes that nurturing. So when you're like, you're not going to give up on your child, right? And so that's what you just, okay, I'm in my teething moments. So what would you do if you're teething? Okay, you got to look for, so you'd read books on bloody, you know, a teething child. Go and fucking read books about finance for your business or go read on hiring, you know, get as much information because it's all out there. That's how I learned. I didn't do, uh, I did several degrees, which I gave up on because I just got bored out of my brain with higher education and I never did it, but attended university uh, i don't have any degrees but my youtube i would have a fucking phd in youtube videos um, because it's independent learning and then it's trial right it's you get the knowledge that's one thing but to actually execute knowledge creates experience and then knowledge plus experience equals wisdom that's where i like to sit now is because i've got all of that knowledge experience 
and the wisdom that I've got. But I'm constantly learning. So I'm always in this knowledge phase, but I'm also always trialing. So, you know, that's what it comes about there. So, um, yeah, I would just say go and learn from someone who's doing it and then learn outside of that, independent learning. And if you're having to work a nine till five, work your nine to five and then go and work your five to nine. And your five to nine is your hustle. Because I did that very thing. I had my nine to five, but I was also doing a five in the morning till nine in the morning. And then I'd just start my other job and then I'd come back and do my five till nine that night. And I did that for quite a few years. But you're winning. You've got to treat your hustle because it gives you your nine to five. You're just there going, fuck, I can't wait to go work on my hustle, you know, my side hustle. And that side hustle eventually becomes your main and only hustle, which it has for me. Now I'm looking to do, I'm doing side hustles outside of this business which will take us to the next level of, you know, my own self-delusional <laughs> grandeur. We call that self-growth. Yeah. <laughs> just want to say thank you so, so much for today. It has been amazing. So many little nuggets of gold. I will, of course, link everything below. Is there mm-hmm. anything you want to finish off with a little last-minute nugget of gold for everybody? Keep hustling. Just, uh, I know I'm just keep riding and keep hustling. It's just, if you keep going, people say, if you're going through hell, why would you stop, right? Just keep going. I think learning is something that you'll always, especially in this information age that you can you can do, you can find, you can source. And if it's what you want, it'll work out. You know, sometimes you've got to move the goalposts and don't be afraid to fail either because failing just allows you to realise what doesn't work. It's that whole Edison and the light bulb, you know, he created 100 light bulbs before the one worked, you know. It's a good thing he didn't give up at 99, you know. You need one more and that's all you need. That's all you need. You just need that one that works. Throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick. I love all of the catchphrases. Perfection. I, know, I sound so cliche, but I read so many books and they're just like that. <laughs> it's so it. good. Thank you all so right, much. Sean, thank you very much. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to share your own story or tell us what you think of this one, feel free to head over to Instagram and slide into my DMs. By the way, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. I know I say this every time, but seriously, my next guest is kick-ass.